This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Last Wednesday night, um, I, I talked about, the, especially the last half, I talked about um, the, the different subtitles and, and superscriptions and things of Psalms. And I, I hope that it, it opened up your understanding a little bit more to understand what was in the minds and the hearts of the people as they read and as they sung and they, uh, these psalms. How it, it just, to me, it, it opened up a whole new understanding. I'd never seen the psalms like this. And um, we talked about all the different uh, names and titles and, and what they meant and um, we also talked about the, the Wednesday night before that about the different ministries that went on at the Tabernacle of David, the Tabernacle of David, and they were all interspersed and twined together, and how they they came together and they made a complete picture of God's will and what He wanted and what went on around the presence of God. And Ron is going to come and t- just kind of give you a little bit of um, a musical description of what we were talking about, give you a little bit of better understanding from a musical perspective what, uh, what that meant and what that sounded like. And, and um, he's going to share a little bit of, with that to you to, just here in their first little bit. To, woo, hello. So, um, so it can maybe, maybe have a deeper understanding of what, what we were talking about. So I'm going to turn it over to Ron, and he's going to, in a minute... <laughs> Isn't that just like a husband? You turn around and say, you know, want them to do something, they gone. You know. <laughs> he's got to get himself, he's got to get set up over there with the right mic so we can make sure we get that on the CD um, for this last uh, taping. So he's going to share with you now. All right, well, just gonna, this is just real brief, but I just kind of want to bring into play. I think sometimes it's, uh, it's very important that we, as I mentioned a couple weeks nights ago, in the closing part after Kelly, Kelly Minister, <clears throat> was the fact that we all have a part to play in worship. There's different ministries in the ministry that went on in the Tabernacle of David, and, and uh, Kelly brought that out. And I think some of those were, if you'll read that section there, of the different forms of ministry that went on there. I'm going to let her just read those. This is just so that you will... Just to kind of jar your memory a little bit, and we're going to tie in what she's talking about with these forms of ministry that, that actually goes on, uh, what God wanted is to continue, because uh, this is the tabernacle of David, was what he wanted to see brought back into play. So this will kind of give you a, a, a kind of a, a heads up or an understanding uh, of the different ministries, and then I'm going to take it from there and kind of bring it out as to what it sounds like to some degree, what your part sounds like in the worship where you come into play, regardless of what part of the ministry. Read those, Kim. I, I Kind of like you would say it's a musical expression yeah. of what, what we're talking about here, musical expression of the ministries. So we had the ministry of singers and singing. We had the ministry of musicians with instruments, the ministry of the Levites before the ark, ministry of recording, Ministry of thanking the Lord, ministry of praise, ministry of psalms, which are songs, ministry of rejoicing and joy, 
ministry of clapping of hands, ministry of shouting, the ministry of dancing, the ministry of lifting up of hands, the ministry of worship, the ministry of seeking the Lord, ministry of spiritual sacrifices, and the last but not least, the ministry of saying amen. Okay. Okay, so what, 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 somewhere in there, there's a, there's a ministry place for you. Amen? Amen. Even if it's nothing else but amen, come on. Oh, that's a good thing. Because the amen says, so be it. So be it to what? Everything that's going on in this time of worship. So there's nothing has a small or a larger or smaller place in the kingdom of God. It all is so vitally important. And to show you, just use it as kind of an example. Uh, you know, when Kelly was ministering Wednesday night, uh, one of those Wednesday nights, she talked about there was the, there were the, the singers that were the high singers. Now, if you just had high singers, and if that's all you heard during worship, I don't know about you, but I, I, it just doesn't do a whole lot. There's not a lot of excitement there. There's not a lot. But if all you have was just singers that just, well, after a while, I mean, it's, and thank God it's beautiful in God's ears, but, you know, come on. But if that's all you heard, but then it said, it said that there was some lower singers as well. as I say, a little bottom to it. Thank God we have uh, Dr. J plays the bass, creates the bottom on the bass guitar. So needed. Playing the music without him doesn't have quite the effect. Same with singers. Same with you. When you're singing, regardless of the tone, whether you're singing high or whether you sing low, if you add whatever you do to it, even if it's not in pitch, it still adds more than just this. Or more than just this. At least it adds this. And we're getting a fuller sound. But it also, part of your ministry incorporates a different sound. And somebody else's ministry, you may be in the ministry of clapping your hands. Then it may sound like this with the low singers. Now we're into a little more. We got. Can you hear the more fullness of the sound? It creates a more of a beauty. Then when somebody else comes in and they're using their, here's somebody saying, praise the Lord. They come in with their, this is what it's sounding like around the ark because somebody is using their ministry that God has called them to. And it's creating a full sound. It's creating something that's beginning to move. That sound will begin to move something. And when you begin to create with somebody else's ministry, how great is our God? Amen. Hallelujah. That's why you are important. In every aspect of whatever it is you do, and we can go on and on and on, because as you increase and as someone else begins to sing and then dance, the dance wasn't even brought in, but the sound of the dance in the ministry, we're talking about the spiritual realm, begins to promote and create a sound and vibrations that God just falls in love with. Now, whether or not you're singing it right, now, of course, he did say he, he hired 
they hire skilled musicians, amen? And I feel that that is very necessary because it will kind of mess you up a little bit if you're trying to follow along. If I'm not playing it right, or Jason, or it's not playing right, or, or, or uh, uh, Justin, if we're not doing our part right, we're not singing right, we can create a discord. And it's the discord that if you'll notice, a lot of times the discord will cause somebody else to step back and they won't do their thing. That's why it is important that the musicians and singers, they're on their game on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, and then we are doing our best, and we're, we're trying to be professional. But God is interested in professionalism, I believe, up here. But when it comes to corporate worship, I believe God is interested in everybody just using the part of the talent and the gift that they supply and bring to the ministry of worship Amen. around Amen. the Ark of the Tabernacle. Yes. And so that's the part that I wanted to just bring in before Kelly. Kelly's fixed to come now and go from there. But... Don't hold back. Amen. Even if you say, well, I'm not sure that I really, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good of a singer. Sing as unto the Lord. Do all that you do heartily as unto the Lord. Amen. Put your all into it because if you don't put some part into it, you're eliminating that sound. And we need more than just this. We need it in the, in the spiritual realm. God needs what you do to bring in the fullness of the moving of the Holy Ghost. God has moved with that. And each Amen. one of us have a part to play in that. Amen. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I, when he was telling me what he was hearing and wanted to share, I thought, you know, that's really good. That gives us a, an example, uh, something that we can, you know, uh, understand. It gives a complete picture for us. And that's what, it's, that's what we've been trying to do this uh, whole time we've been doing the study is paint a picture for you, so you understand, you have an understanding of what the tabernacle of David, what, is, what did that mean? What did it look like? What did it sound like? Why was it God's favorite house? Why did he say that he wanted to build that house again? Out of three houses that he dwelt in, why did he want to build this one again? And I, my heart's desire is that, that we've created, if we haven't answered all your questions, We've created an inquisitive mind in you. You want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. You want to dig in and find out more. Because there, this, what, we've, what we have just done these past 10 weeks is just kind of scratch the scratch on the scratch. You know, there's so much more. There's so much that, that we didn't have time and, and all of that. We, we could have, you know, probably taught a year and really not covered all of the little things that were brought into play that were so important, but we hope that we hit enough of the truths that, that we've created a desire in you to, to worship, to, to know and to worship and desire the presence of God like you never have before. Because that's what it was all about. That's what it was all about. Um, I want to start tonight, I'm, I'm really going to push here to, to get finished with everything. Um, but I want to start, and I wanted to bring this out before we kind of closed everything out, because it, it, when, when, when the scriptures, when the psalms were sung, and when the prophets spoke to the people, they, they had an understanding of, of what the prophets was trying to say, that maybe we don't and haven't had because we didn't live back in those times. We weren't necessarily um, in that area, if you will. So there's, we know that, uh, that we talked about the three 
the three, we talked about Tabernacle of Moses, Tabernacle of David, and the Temple of Solomon. And all three of those places that housed the presence of God were on mountains. All three of them were on mountains. We had, we talked about the Tabernacle of Moses was at Mount Gibeon. At this time, that's where it was at, was at Mount Gibeon, had been there for several years and was still there with all of its blood sacrifices going on. While the Tabernacle of David, where the Ark of God, his presence was at Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Now, about 36 to 40 years after the tabernacle, was, tabernacle of David was established, Solomon came along and built the Temple of Solomon, and it was on Mount Moriah. And both of these two mountains were in the city of Jerusalem. Now, Mount Gibeon was about 7 to 10 miles, something that, time, uh, that uh, distance away from, um, from Jerusalem. But when, when the Hebrew people heard mountains, they got a picture of this in their mind. And I want to start tonight by reading Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 3, which has everything to do with what we've been talking about. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be firmly established as the highest of the mountains. That's your first key right there. The highest of the mountains. Now, what mountains was Isaiah talking about there? He was talking about Mount Gibeon, Mount Zion, and Mount Moriah. That's exactly what the Hebrew children understood when they read this passage of Scripture, when they, read, when they heard this come out of Isaiah's mouth and read it, they knew those were the mountains he was talking about, the mountains that God's presence had been in place at, okay? And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that he may walk, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, as I said, what mountains did the Hebrew mind picture? Well, they pictured Mount Zion where the tabernacle of David was. They pictured when they heard mountains, they pictured Mount Gibeon, where the tabernacle of Moses was. They pictured uh, Mount Moriah, where the temple of Solomon was. But the one mountain that he named specifically in the scripture is Mount Zion. The mountain that housed the presence of God. The mountain that God said, this is my favorite mountain. This is my favorite dwelling place. All that went on in this mountain became the picture that they saw when they heard the prophet say, For out of Zion shall go forth the law and instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. They created a picture. They, in their minds, they created. That's the very picture that they saw. Everything that went on in the tabernacle of David, that's what was created in their minds when they heard the prophet say this. Um, and what is the purpose of establishing this house? Now, we've, we know that our, our, our um, basic scripture has been Amos 9, 11 through 13, and then Acts 
chapter 15, where James re-quotes Amos. Now, this has been our, our fundamental scripture. So here it says, Isaiah is just coming alongside those two. He's coming alongside what Amos said. He's coming alongside, or James coming alongside what Isaiah said. And he says that he's going to establish his house. What's the purpose of God establishing his house? What is the purpose of God establishing, re-establishing, building up again the tabernacle of David? Isaiah says, so that all the nations shall flow to it. That is the purpose. That is the plan of God. That's the reason why he wants to rebuild that house. Because he wants all of the nations to come unto that house, unto that place, unto the exact same things that were going on. Do I need to take this off? Okay. We don't need to be pretty, do we? Um. He wants them to go to that, to come to that picture, that place, that place of uh, unveiled access to the presence of God. The draw, and, and he wants it to flow to it. The drawing power of the uplifted Christ is evident here in the flowing of the nations into the house of God, his church. God is building his house in us. And nations are flowing into his church. The worship that was established in the tabernacle of David, in David's tabernacle, which was incorporated into Solomon's temple. They didn't leave it. They didn't take the ark out of the tabernacle of David and bring it to the temple of Solomon without taking that worship. God had established something. He established a new order. He established a a picture a foreshadowing of the new covenant there in the tabernacle of David. And he brought it forward with him into the temple of Solomon and is being established in the true Zion, the spiritual habitation of God, which is his church, which is me and you. Hallelujah. You and I are the Mount Zion. You and I are the Zion. You and I. What does Paul say? You and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You and I are what God wants to set His self up in. And when we lift Him up, all men are drawn. Everybody is drawn. Pulled to His church. Pulled to His presence. We are the Mount Zion that He's talking about. How it brings a whole new perspective to Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 18 through 24. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with this scripture, but I'm telling you, just, just this, this opening of my understanding, just when I read all this stuff, I just want, whoo, I'm telling you what, it's just, it is so good. It is so good. For you have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, to a material mountain that can be touched, a mountain that is ablaze with fire and to gloom and darkness as a raging storm and to the blast of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg that nothing more be said to them. What mountain was he talking about there? He was talking about Mount Sinai. And, and we can even say, even though it was, he was really reflecting on what? The tabernacle of Moses and he was reflecting on the law. Okay. For they could not bear the commandment that was given. 
If even a wild animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the phenomenal sight that Moses said, I am terrified, aghast, and trembling with fear. But rather, you have come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God. Woo! Hallelujah! The heavenly Jerusalem and to the countless multitudes of angels in festive gathering and to the church. Hallelujah! To the church, assembly of the firstborn, who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to the God who is judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made, uh, who have been made perfect. Hallelujah! And to Jesus, the mediator, go between an agent of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. Do you see that this is the picture? This, is, this was what, what the tabernacle of David pictured. It was this right here. Way back in the middle of the Old Testament, when God hadn't even done all this yet. That is what is so mind-blowing about this. I mean, God said, God said, I'm, I'm going to come right down in the middle of all this. You can't touch me. You can't get close to me. You can't have anything to do with me. And I'm going to come right down in the middle of all of this law. And I'm going to show you what it's going to look like and what it's going to feel like. I'm going to show you how good it's going to be. And it was so good that blessings flew everywhere. And wine was coming off the mountains. And Israel had the most, the greatest time of their history. The greatest time of their history came right from the establishment of the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion. And, and it, it, was, it never has been that great since. It's a perfect picture. It was a, it was a, a natural, physical, tangible, see, touch, feel picture of what it is in the spirit today. That you and I are the spiritual Zion. That God has done this for us and, and he's made it available and accessible to you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, I, you know, I don't know y'all. I, I, it excites me. It excites me to know that this is what God had in mind. That he, 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 he wanted to, us to know what it looked like and felt like and sounded like and what his heart was in all of this. That's why he told David, hey, come on, come get me. Come get me. Come catch me. Come set this up because I want them to know. I don't want them to be asking. I want them to know what it looks like. I want them to know what my heart is. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. <clears throat> Let me get in my... I got lost over here. Get to the wrong... Get to the right place over here. So when you, when you see mountains now and you see that in your readings, it kind of gives you a different perspective. Maybe it'll catch your thinking about what the author was really talking about. Where, what, what picture was he trying to portray? What, is, what thoughts and feelings come alive in you that would have come alive in them? Gives you an understanding, a better understanding of what God is trying to tell us through his word. Now I want to do a quick rundown and a quick um, recap, I guess, to try, to try to get this summed up as quickly and as best I can here. Make sure I got all my little notesies over here. Okay. 
I want to just run down the, the truths, the established truths of the tabernacle of David. Number one, the Davidic covenant finds its fulfillment in the new covenant, in David's greater son, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. We see that picture, and it finds its fulfillment from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant in Christ. The throne of David pointed to the throne of Christ. Christ sat on David's throne in his resurrection and exaltation to the Father's right hand, and he is ruling and reigning in his kingdom now, right now, ruling and reigning. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with its blood-stained mercy seat finds its fulfillment in His atoning work. It is a finished work, and so Christ sits at the right hand of the Father until all of His enemies become His footstool. Number four, Zion was a political and governmental city for King David on his throne. Zion was also an ecclesiastical and spiritual city for the priest to minister before the ark of God under David's order. Zion has both established there and both of them are fulfilled in Christ in us. We are kings and priests in the kingdom of God because of what Christ has done. He's made you and I kings and priests. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Number five, David being king also touched the office of a priest. This foreshadowed the royal priesthood of the order of Melchizedek as fulfilled in Christ and His church. Believers are a royal priesthood of which Christ is the head. You and I are the part of the royal priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Number six, the cessation of animal sacrifices. After the dedicatory sacrifices, now we're talking about the tabernacle of David here, after the, animals, the, the dedicatory uh, sacrifices that were given right at the beginning of the tabernacle of David, they were never given again, and that pointed to the dedicatory sacrifice of Christ's body and blood. And after that, there was no more need for any blood sacrifices. It says that the, the temple rulers, the, the, the Pharisees, carried on with that for about 40 more years after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that they tried to carry on with that. But it was... After about 40 years, it even fizzled out. God had his way. He said, this is no longer acceptable, period. So it was done and fulfilled in Christ. The sacrifices of praise, joy, thanksgiving, and worship became the order of David's tabernacle around the ark and the throne of God. David established the order of singers and musicians in that tabernacle. Such are the sacrifices of believers in the church as they praise and worship the Lord. That brings such a new revelation of we bring the sacrifices of praise into the house of the Lord. Those are the sacrifices that are acceptable before the Lord. Out of our very lives, out of our, our everyday going around stuff that happens in our lives, that out of all of the bad, the good, out of all the, the, um, the, the, the confusion and, and the questions and the disappointments and the joys and all of the things that go on in our life that we bring sacrifices of praise out of our very life. What is going on in our life, we bring that. Those are the things that, that are acceptable to God. 
Those are the things that please him. Praise the Lord. The transfer of the Ark of the Covenant from the Tabernacle of Moses on Gibeon to the Tabernacle of David on Zion signified the transfer of the glory and the presence of God from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant church. It symbolized access within the veil into the presence of God, access within the holiest of all. That is such a powerful, powerful thing. It, it showed forth that which was coming. That there would come a time forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever after that time. You would never, ever, ever have a veil to separate you from the presence of God. That the blood of Jesus would flow continually, making us acceptable in the sight of God, and we would never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever have that separation, that division that keeps us from God. Praise the Lord. The tabernacle of David would become open to the Gentiles as well as the Jews under Messianic times. So it foreshadowed the Jews and the Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God. That's what James was saying in Acts, that this was a perfect example. This was God's idea to set up, to allow the Gentiles to all nations to come and be the people of God and allow them to come into the new covenant church as one body here they could worship, would worship together apart from ceremonials and ritualisms of the Mosaic law. We no longer come to the mountain that had the law. We no longer come to that mountain, but we come to Mount Zion. We come to the mountain of God, of his praise and his worship and his glory and all that he's done for us. We, know, we come to that mountain, all of us, no matter what our creed is. That's the mountain we come to. The Lord said he would build again the tabernacle of David that was fallen down. He said he would build his church. The new covenant church is the tabernacle of the Lord that is being built today. All that was foreshadowed forth in the order of praise and worship as to that in the spirit and truth finds fulfillment in church of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are the tabernacle of David. You and I are the tab. This is the tabernacle that God is building up. You and me together in, in all. Uh, in, in Ron painted such a beautiful picture in musically of what that is like. Mm -hmm. yep. You and I coming together, joined together as the church. You bring one thing, I bring another thing. Susan brings one thing, Pastor Sandy brings another thing, Teresa brings another thing, and all God is building us all up together as the church because we all have something that God wants to lift up in us as we lift Him up that draws somebody else to us, people for our lives. Hallelujah. That's the whole purpose. The tabernacle of David is a picture of what we're supposed to look like. What's supposed to be going on in here? And then as we come together, what goes on corporately when we come together? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Um, the one thing, as I think of the tabernacle of David, I guess I'm going to go here now. Okay, Lord. Um, that sets 
in my heart, in my spirit, that sets this house of God apart, that is, is the, the wheel in the middle of the wheel, so to speak, of the difference in the tabernacle of David, the, the main thing that runs through everything that went on, the thread that runs through everything that went on at the tabernacle of David, is that it was marked by the passionate pursuit of the presence of God and then hosting the presence of God. Did you catch that? What does host mean? Anybody? Entertaining what? guests. Entertaining. Um, seeing, seeing, to, seeing to guests. Seeing to guests. Attend to. Attend to. When, when David ran after God's presence, he caught God's presence and he kept God's presence. He hosted the presence of God. The blue flame of God never stopped. It never went out. It was always there. His presence stayed there. It sat right down in the middle of all that was going on in the tabernacle of David, and it never left until they came and they picked that ark up and they took it to the temple of Solomon. It tells us something. That's, that's we are about not only catching, not only running after, not only the passionate pursuit. Pursuit means to go after. But once we catch it, keeping it. Never, ever, ever letting the presence leave. Never, ever letting the flame of God go out. In our lives, right here on the throne of my heart. Right here. David understood that. It was so, it was, it was all he thought about was keeping that. That's why he set up things like he set it up. You know, in, um, I've heard a lot of, you know, I've questioned this in my own mind. You know, well, David, you know, he, he messed up after he got the presence of God there. After he went through all he went through and got the presence of God there in Jerusalem, on Mount Zion, all the praise and worship. You know, he could get up any time of night. Wow. The praise and the worship was going on. Never, you know, can you imagine having a, maybe you had a bad dream. Anybody ever had a bad dream? You know, something that really just gets your spirit. Well, if David had a bad dream, he'd wake up and he'd hear Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You comfort my soul. Hallelujah. You come and you, you know, he could hear these praises going on 24-7 all the time. And still, you know, he had his moments where he got off track. You know, I was thinking about that in, in my studying and all of this. And, you know, the Lord said, you know, I, in the New Testament it says, by one man's obedience, 
all have been made righteous. And he told me, he said, I'm not looking for obedience. Now, don't you say that Kelly said I don't got to be obedient. Because <laughs> that's not what I said. God said that he was looking for people who would worship him in spirit and in truth. That's what he said he was seeking. See, Jesus has done what couldn't be done and what we never could do was make us obedient in the sight of God. So as far as obedience is concerned, it's not for God, it's for you. You being obedient is for you. You know, how many times have you told your kids, you know, you know, they, they, they go with you and, you know, you say, um, don't cross the road, don't go across the street. If you go across the street, you might get hit. And they learn that, okay? And if they're obedient to that, they won't get run over when they go across the street, even when you're not there. Yeah. Even when you're not there. Yeah. But that obedience ain't for you, is it? It's for them. So they won't get run over if they cross the street. Mm-hmm. Obedience is for us. So that we can walk in the fullness of God. So that we can experience the good things that he's already set before us. What God is after is our passionate pursual of his presence and hosting his presence. Worshiping him, praising him, magnifying him, glorifying him. How do I know that? How do I know that? Well, (laughs) because after David had all of his mess ups, God said, here is a man who is after my own heart. And he did all of my will. Wow. Wow. Even though he was disobedient, God still said he did all of my will. Because God wants people who will worship him in spirit and truth. And I can guarantee you, if you get to the place where you worship him in spirit and truth, you won't have to be worried about being obedient. The obedience will come. The obedience will come. Hallelujah. I didn't know I was going to say all that. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This period of time during which the events pertaining to David's tabernacle transpired was a a, a foreshadowing of the coming dispensation of grace. King David and the Levites in the order of worship before the ark of God, reached over into the New Testament dispensation, all pointed to the transference of the holiest of all and entrance within the veil being made available for Jews and Gentiles under the new covenant era. God is not building a literal or material tent as David pitched for the ark. You know, he's, he's not building... Something made of man's hands. Isn't that what he said? He's not interested in what we can make with our hands. He's making his house here. Making his tabernacle, his home here. He is building his church, a spiritual house, a habitation of God by the Spirit. Both Jew and Gentile together make up the church, Christ's home, make up the Tabernacle of David, if you will, the church. Here around the true ark, which is Jesus, the true ark, which is Jesus Christ himself, all of us who are the redeemed come together for worship within the veil. You and I come together and make up that that worship, make up that people. We are 
what God is building today. You and I continually, forever and ever, building his church in us, his church in us. You know, David's saying, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. He's talking, you know, he's, have you ever seen a, a door that had a head, a gate that had a head? Have you ever seen doors that had hands? He said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. What's he talking about? Me and you. Lift up our heads. Lift up our hands. Lift up our voices in our praises and worship to God. And the king of glory will come in. The king of glory will come in. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You know, there was a, a line from a movie long time ago said, if you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. If we lift up our heads and we lift up our hands in the middle of everything in our life, that will attract God more than anything else. And he will come and sit right down on that. And he'll stay there if you keep fanning those flames. If you keep fanning the flames of praise and worship around the throne of God through all of your stuff, you be willing to be the fuel for the fire. You be willing. You and I be willing to be burned up in everything that's going on in our life, to fuel the flame of God in us. You and I be willing to be that. God will come and sit down right in the middle of it. It will be so pleasing to him, and he will never, ever, ever leave. That's his desire. This has been his desire. That was, that was what, what he had in the garden, and that's what he did. Everything he did for was for that, so we could come and sit down, and me and you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.